0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that?
2: More tales
0: of the men in black. From Casebook on the Men in Black. By Jim Keith. September 26, 1967. A woman named Shirley saw a silver disc-like object hovering outside the back windows of her home. Her doorbell rang. When Shirley answered, she met an Indian woman in a long, shimmering black gown. "'Hello, Pat,' the visitor said with a painfully large grin. "'My name is Shirley,' Shirley said against her will. "'I'm sorry. I meant Shirley. Can I have some salt? I need to take a pill.' (laughs) Shirley brought out a box of salt and handed it to the woman." She consumed a handful of salt and forced a pill down her throat. They both watched as the humming from the UFO increased, and the UFO took off over the house and into the distance. The woman in black left, and Shirley had bouts of intense nausea. Later that night, two men in old-timey black coats and hats pulled up in front of Shirley's home. She thought they were priests. They set up a camera with a massive red light on top of it and took pictures of Shirley's home and then they left without turning on their headlights.
1: Secrets.
0: November 22nd, 1967. The Edward Christensen family and a relative were traveling north of Maryville, New Jersey, and saw a large sphere of light, glowing red, green, and white, fall from the sky. They called the Air Force and were heavily questioned about what they saw because they had assumed they had seen a crashed airplane. They were interrogated heavily by several different officers who kept calling back through the night. January 9th, 1968, the Christensen family got a knock on the door. 17 year old Connie Christensen said, It was the strangest man I've ever seen.
3: Does Eric Christensen live here?
0: I'm from the Missing Heirs Bureau. Mr. Christensen has inherited some money. The man was at least 6 foot 3, around 300 pounds, and couldn't fit through the front door. He said his friends called him Tiny. He had a Russian fur hat a black suit with thin material not suited for the weather. His head was shaved, but not properly. There were patches of hair untouched, and his eyes bugged out of his skull like thyroid eyes, one of them appearing to be glass. He wore very thick-soled shoes. His pants were too short, and when he sat, it revealed he had a green wire coming out of his sock and going into a brown spot on his leg. They asked if he wanted something to eat, and he said, I'm on a diet, but in ten minutes I'll need a glass of water. Ten minutes of questioning them about specifics of Eric Christiansen's body, tattoos, birthmarks. Later, his face became beet red, and he requested the water. He took a large yellow pill, and he went back to normal. And when he left, he walked out the door, hailed a large black 1963 Cadillac that pulled up with no driver, and it pulled away with no headlights on. Secrets of the Men in Black.
3: Wow, that's great. That was also Robbie Coltrane from Nuns on the Run. Very good, <laughs> little known fact. <laughs> very, right, very everyone. good. Welcome to the last podcast on the left. A creepy beginning to today's oh, episode. Yeah. I am Ben Kissel. That is Marcus Parks. Hello, and we have the, the the creepy scribe himself, Henry Zebrowski. I um, am
0: so terrified of my thoughts. <laughs> Since doing this, the, this series. We could just end the sentence um, there. <laughs> All night I'm having dreams of men in black.
2: Are you having men in black dreams, Marcus? They ended. I was having them. Remember I had the dream where uh, me and you were interrogating a man in black as Carolina slept next to us?
0: Yeah, you yeah. told me that one. I had a dream last night about another story that I had read about the men in black, which was um, that I woke up to see a large man, Kissel size in a flannel shirt, staring at me with bowl cut. Uh, at the end of the bed, just staring at me and then uh, dematerializing.
3: Hmm. Uh, honestly, that was me from uh, 17 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that, you met you a met, uh, freshman in high school, Ben Kissel. I'm, whatever he did to you, I apologize. <gasps>
2: are you a time cop? Are you time cop, bro?
3: Maybe. All right, everyone. We are on to part two of our series about the men in black. Can't wait I'm gonna to learn th- some more. Can I say this be- at the very beginning?
2: Okay.
0: Y'all going to need to open up. That mind of yours Uh with some brain lube. I don't know what it is that you need. For me, it's a stanky glass of whiskey, a couple of edibles, and a big old (laughs) thick old joint. And I think that you should try some of that before settling
3: in to what we're about to run you through. Maybe if you're going through sobriety, some ginseng.
2: Yeah. Have a little ginseng. I don't know if that opens up the mind or not. Caffeine. Oh, my mind is always open, man. I don't need no chemical stuff. Well, I mean, many years of hallucinogen abuse, right. which kind of <laughs> opened it for a while. Like, right. So permanently open that now it's kind of it. being taped back together. Yeah. It's
3: sort of like the um, the hardcore t- championship belt yeah. that they had in the WWE. It's shattered <laughs> and then duct taped back together. To it's sl- a door that's kind of. It, a belt.
0: It, it's a door that's hanging off its hinges, and that's. Now it's just kind of leaning up. And yeah. It's like you and your buddies call it a door, but really it's a flap.
3: Yeah, you, have to, you have to pick up the door, move the door, then put it back after you yes. enter the building. But no, it is a door. A,
2: it is. It's a door. <laughs> so before we get to this week's episode, we got to acknowledge our second source, Casebook on the Men in Black by Jim Keith. <clears throat> it is fantastically written and a very interesting book. Even though, admittedly, it can be very confusing at times. Okay.
0: Maybe for you, you plebe. (laughs) All I do is understand the
2: mind-bending world of the men in black. Uh huh. (laughs) So, our last episode ended with a discussion of tulpas and the possibility that the modern-day men in black were essentially born from the imagination, intelligence, and fear of the proto-nerd Albert Bender. You know what I tell all the ladies? A UFO boy's
3: imagination is just stronger than the other boys. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you should tell that to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but yeah, I would yeah. like to say I know what a tulpa is it's a image uh, uh-huh. conjured up yep. uh-huh. solely from the mind uh-huh. well I mean Very not
2: necessarily I mean g- you know what a I, tulpa. honestly
3: that's farther than I ever thought he'd get
2: thank you
1: <laughs>
2: got it but one thing to keep in mind with the men in black is that they are by no means a uniform group Whoa. they come in many different shapes sizes and races with different powers and influence really but again, they all share the same thing. Secrets.
3: Secrets. Secrets are no fun. Can you choose uh, to be a fat one or a thin one or a tall one or a
2: short no, one? No! You're given your case from birth. Oh, okay. So on this episode, we're mostly going to cover the men in black through the lens of a word whose etymology almost perfectly describes our subject. The Latin roots run the gamut, concealed, hidden, beyond the realm of human understanding. And the word is... Occult. (laughs) Word of the day. Now, the 20th century is by no means home to the first sighting of the men in black. The men in black have been around for centuries, most notably in 15th and 16th century Europe, and always in cases involving the most popular paranormal phenomena of the time, hmm. witchcraft.
1: Ooh.
0: See, men in black, to me, they're, very, they're like the David Bowie of the occult world where they fit every fashion <laughs> they, they every single right. phase it goes through uh, occultism they're right there and so a part of it it's like last episode we try to explain what one of nick Redfern's biggest theories is that they are tulpas we're going to talk about in this this episode specifically is how they are an extension of the occult Matters that have been around since the beginning of time yeah, and that the men right. in black have always been there step-by-step step, Fucking pocket to pocket yeah <laughs> human race dick to dick just us together, right? Just like, Crab walking, slam next to each other like a couple boys learning how to hold each other up for the first time on a summer vacation when you run away from your parents for the first time oh, yeah. while they're off getting hammered on the cruise. That's a,
3: that's a strange way to make a teepee, but Tulpa, uh, uh-huh. that's something that's conjured up yeah? with uh, with just the mind there. You guys might not have known that, <laughs> but uh, no, this God. is why you don't let me do research.
2: <laughs> we don't yeah. let you do research. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, you get one nugget of knowledge and just all of a sudden you're the most air. Arrogant person in the room. Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. <laughs> Agrarian. Yes. <laughs> so the first recorded sighting of a man in black, at least as far as Europe goes, occurred in France in the year 1490, when occult practitioners claimed to trample crucifixes as they worshipped, quote, a tall, dark man. Ooh. The next sighting came 30 years later, again in France.
0: It's in France! (laughs) It's in France!
2: (laughs) In this instance, two shepherds told a tale of a tall, dark man who called himself the Devil's Bondsman. Ooh, that's a great nickname. Oh yeah, and Bondsman, that's an archaic term for slave. Oh, so he was the Devil's Slave. Yes, he was the Devil's Slave, and it's
0: a little, like, kinky. Yeah. Like, a little bit. It's a little, like bondsmans a good new term for like the subdom right world if mm-hmm. you want to use it
2: yeah 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 absolutely so one shepherd knelt and offered fealty to the slave and his dark master then supposedly the man soon after killed and ate five people <laughs> yeah you <I> did <gasps> Yeah. yeah. But you remember this. If you've seen The
0: Witch, right, a part of what the witch, what made The Witch so good is that they took transcripts from actual court hearings during the time, like during what we would now know as the famous witch hunt, right? Like during Mm. that whole time period. But oftentimes, The Devil was synonymous with a man in leather pants and a leather vest and a fancy black hat on, which, I mean, just feels like it's the one gay of the village from the 18th century, (laughs) like figuring out how to work it, like figuring out how to make everybody's. Life. breaking the <laughs> but law but that's what
3: he was right on that little judas priest vibe oh, that was man. a real old country buffet that he had
2: <laughs> tulpas <laughs> uh it's actually conjured up <laughs>
3: well
2: of course both shepherds were burned alive at the stake oh. for consorting with the devil mm. over a hundred years went by without another recorded sighting but in 1645, the infamous witch Isabel Gowdy of Scotland Ooh. described a man suspiciously similar to some modern men in black. Hmm. Now we know that the witch trials in Europe and America were by and large led by uptight establishment figures suppressing and murdering groovy ladies as well as a few groovy dudes. Uh-huh. But there may just be something hidden in Isabel Gowdy's testimony.
3: The whole thing with the witch trial, right? It was all because they were taking the bad wheat, right? Bad flour. It was that kind
2: of... Uh, well, the that's ergot. The, there's a, there's wa- that's one
0: story is that, that uh, the wheat uh, supplies would get contaminated with fungus.
3: I would like walls. to nibble on that, though, and just see what that trip is like. I, I bet you, I, if, if you was, know you're taking it, I bet you it would be a pretty good time.
2: I think it's supposed to be one of those like terrifying trips. Terrifying. Like the, like the trip that uh, Tex Watson had that caused him to murder Sharon Tate and uh, all the other people. You ever had uh, angel
3: trumpets? No. That sounds like a horrible thing that you might get after eating too many grains. Wow. it's <laughs> well, a so. stool joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wow.
3: Wow. Um, <laughs> no, but the idea is that it creates very... <laughs> it's July 5th. Okay, yeah. can I just clarify? It is July 5th right now. We all had a July 4th. We celebrated our freedom. We all had a great then, time last night. Now, emphasis on dumb. Okay, hello. Dumb.
0: It's doing good. We're doing good, though. We're strong. <laughs> um, But angel trumpets are a naturally growing hallucinogen in Florida that are... Are like oh. these flowers that you pick and they they create very vivid visual hallucinations where you do stuff like your your bed looks like it's all covered in cockroaches so you Ooh. go and you get the bleach from underneath your kitchen like you get your bleach underneath from the sink and you cover your bed in bleach and then you set it on fire and shit like that.
3: Oh, I see. <laughs> so you don't want it.
2: You don't want it. No. Okay. Well, this is a quote from Isabel Gowdy's trial. His
0: members are exceedingly great and long. No man's members are as long and as big as thee, and I found his nature as cold within me as spring-well water. What is she describing
3: there? Oh it's a
2: man. It, it seems a little phallic. It's his, no is it's it, is, it is phallic, but she's okay. describing members like limbs. Oh, like, I yeah, see. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have like a butt okay. She was
0: fucking it. Oh, okay.
2: Okay, <laughs> okay At the same I time. See. That
0: is true. Honestly, she was fucking it. All right.
2: Well, this testimony mirrors the long limbed men in black with the cold touch that we'll discuss later on in detail. But that is very, very much a men in black detail. Long limbs, cold touch. Long limbs, cold touch. Uh, What they talked
0: about last time, we talked about a little bit, like, uh, jointless wrists. Yeah. They look like Gumby. They have, like, no knuckles. They're all very flat. Mm. They they look like they've been made by a factory.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And furthermore, even though the quote unquote confession of Isabel Gowdy is likely a fabrication made under duress, it still ties into men in black lore. Okay. See, the fact that the long limbed, cold, dark man lived in Isabel Gowdy's imagination speaks to the genetic memory of humanity. Hmm. See, pitch black, long limbed figures, for some reason, speak to a primal fear within us all. I mean, e- this whole yeah. thing survives even to this day in horror movies. I mean, from the xenomorphs to <laughs> the Alien franchise to like 21st century creations like Slenderman and the Babadook. Right, like there's just something about like these. It's the shadows that terrify us. Oh,
3: absolutely, yeah.
0: Um, and Slenderman, I we were going to bring this up last episode because in the end, like in a way, it seems that Slenderman is a mirror slash kaleidoscope version version of the original Men in Black right. visions, and that yeah. now. Like, I I would almost consider the Slender Man to be real. Like, we had two people stab a girl, like the Slender Man stabbings case. Several other people have committed crimes in the name of Slender Man, and I don't really understand what makes it any less real. Like, that to me is the
3: perfect example of a tulpa. It's because... People, when they're young, their perfect idea of a man is tall and thin, like <laughs> Curtis Cobain or a series of other people, and I'm a little sorry I don't fit the fucking mold. It, the Tulpa was created by a bunch of 13-year-old girls. And I'll tell you one thing. When when you get older, you like them fat.
0: You, <laughs> yeah, they, you like it because you yeah, can they, keep a fat man. You can keep you a, keep fat, a man. fat man around, and you he's thankful, them. and he's yeah. very excited to be there. But a part of it is that they – I think that what you're saying, while ignorant, is also – <laughs> so, I'm onto it! But a part of it is that the 13-year-old sexual fantasy, which is what made all of the weird lemon slash fic about Slender Man real, it's like, that's a part of it, it's like, they... They are sexually identifying with Slender Man, but the problem, like a Tulpa, is that it eventually grows to have its own fucking agenda, mm-hmm, and it right. and
3: turns and becomes something else. Like the robots in Westworld, which is a series that I'm watching
2: and referencing on a regular basis. <laughs> on every time you have either a microphone or you're on stage, you find a way to shove Westworld into it, but it doesn't ever make any sense. It doesn't... Episode 5, Season 1. <laughs>
0: I mean, Two yeah. years old. Series is I, I don't know.
2: I mean, one of the things we're trying to say is that the Men in Black may have always been tulpas, mm. but they were created collectively by the primal fears of humanity. And the tales that we just told are by no means the only appearances of Men in Black in the witchcraft era. In 1730, in Norway, a 13-year-old girl claimed that six years before that, she and her grandmother had attended a secret meeting with Satan by way of pig transport. the yeah, <laughs> pig bus. Wait, I mean, I've been in some bad Ubers before.
3: What is a pig transport? Can
0: you imagine a 13-year-old girl pulling up to you in a pig But like, Hi, what you doing? <laughs> Want to get on my pig cart and go meet the devil?
3: Uh, yeah, uh, Yes, yeah. I have to. Yeah? Uh, I think so.
2: Wow. And Satan had brought along two companions whom the grandmother had referred to as, quote, grandfather's boys. Ooh, oh. that is a wonderful series on X videos right now. <laughs> I don't I know. know. It. And all three of them we're dressed all in black.
3: Okay.
0: Now we're going to see, but again, we're going to see a very common trope with men in black as well. A lot of times they visit in threes. Uh-huh. We're, we're looking here is that the grandfather's boys, quote unquote, not his testicles, were actually a <laughs> part of the unholy trinity of Satan with right. his two lieutenants who often spoke of in folklore and echoed the, echoes the modern day men in black who yeah. often show
2: up like Does, that. But, I never heard of them hanging out with a pig, though, before. This is the first time I'm hearing about the pig. Well, th- with all the witchcraft stuff, you know, the things with uh, witchcraft tend to get a little blurred. Are pigs big in witchcraft? Yeah. Pigs? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All <laughs> animals are. Well,
3: goats, goats specifically. Yeah, I think the yeah. goat. Yeah,
2: But pigs can yeah. also have a pretty big part to play. Okay. Why not? You anti-pig? I'm not anti-pig. <laughs> yeah, you anti-pig I'm so pig here? <laughs>
3: pig it's like ridiculous. I almost <laughs> stopped eating them. But a part of it is
0: that the anti-pig, the Pigs are also smart enough to know, I need a job. And like Uber drivers now it's like a great job in between things carting 13-year-olds backs to the grandfather's boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which he's done several other times. But this is a part of also the myth here. So this is, remember, when Tulpas, we were talking last episode about Tulpas, part of, part of that comes from Albert Bender's first vision of Men in Black. And that's a more modern idea of where the Men in Black come from. But what if instead, what we're seeing here is that all of these comparisons of the Men in Black to the original visions of the devil showed that Men in Black may in fact have a more paranormal beginning, even more so than Tulpas, because Tulpas is just the creations of our own fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is paranormal. And the fact that maybe you want to say that ritualistic activity and paranormal paranormal rituals and stuff like that, like the idea of talking to the other, is actually future technology that we don't really understand. So technically then it's
2: science. Right. <laughs> right. Am I
0: how far have I gone?
2: Well I how long have I been get, talking? You get to the word science. There it is. <laughs> Might be a, medical but a condition, what, but
0: but what if the men in black really just are the what we talked about with aliens and gnomes and fairies and all that shit too? It's just the embodiment of everything that is the other that has been forever, and essentially they are they are more attached to like an entity that's poked its way from the other side into this world. Mm-hmm. Is it a really big pig that you get inside of? <laughs> no, it's not an actual of the car. Pig. She's
2: riding, the pig. Oh, riding a pig. Oh, I
1: see.
2: I mean, it's like a farm pig. I mean, oh, you, okay. farm pigs. You ever seen like actually no, been the presence th- of a farm pig? Big
3: pigs. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay. Yeah, you can
2: easily fit a 13-year-old and her grandmother on the back of one of them big pigs. <laughs> now, men in black, they can also be harbingers of doom. This is from an account written in 1682.
0: Ooh. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what you This ain't your mama's website platform. It is actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine Tilt. and not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on a Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes. What we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals, but horses. Take pictures of the horses, Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse, ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if you have another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the reins of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they they were right, because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited-time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. In Brandenburg, Germany, there appeared in 1559 horrible men, of whom at first 15 and later on 12 were seen. The foremost had beside their posteriors little heads, the others fearful faces and long skites, with which they cut at the oats, so that the swish could be heard at a great distance, but the oats
3: remained standing. I just feel like they're making fun of their, like, Country folk.
0: <laughs> no, dude. It's, man, K- Kissel. Pop out it for a second, right? I popped out. How oh, fucking, how fine <laughs> I know you are. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Put it back. I um, You're driving along in a cart, right? Yep. Hip. hip. Come on, Martha. Martha, you dead yet? No, we're getting you to the hospital. Only three days away. Yep. Hip. hip. Looks over. There's just a field filled with these dudes yeah. in black robes and scythes. hacking at, wheat that's not getting hacked they're just like slicing through it and they're just doing it like it's fucking like, a black sabbath fucking album cover yeah. so they're happy Just do the shit and then you <laughs> drive us, they're not happy oh they're, they're not very happy. mean looking and then the whole town dies of the plague
2: yeah because that's right. what, exactly what happened right after people saw these figures the black death sweat through the area
3: I I just hope I get my mother to the fucking hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your mother's got the
2: plague. She's got the plague? (laughs) Oh, man, you know, this is... uh, Man, it's it's, it's tough creatively thinking. Now, the links between these manifestations and modern-day Men in Black may seem somewhat tenuous. Mm -hmm. Because, Hmm, after all, the color black has long been associated with evil. Mm. But... Appearance is not the only thing these occult practitioners of the past share with modern UFO lore. Okay. For example, something was written in 1645 in the Laws Against Witches and Conjuration Ugh. that sounds suspiciously similar to the experiences of modern alien abductees. Hmm. It was written... That the devil leaveth marks upon their bodies, sometimes like a blue spot, or a red spot like a flea biting. Two decades later, a witch named Christian Green said this quote, that he was as he was informing on another witch. He said The man in Blake pricks the fourth finger of her right hand
0: between the middle and upper joints, where the sign yet remains.
2: Oh, wow. Now attentive listeners of our alien episodes will remember don't criticize the (laughs) non-attentive listeners Uh, yeah because it's a little bit difficult to follow along i don't think you you have to chastise those
3: who are like also busy baking and they have to focus on something slightly different than alien (laughs) abduction
0: listen if you are true student Mm-hmm. of the UFO nature, of your true, uh, I would say, visioneer of the UFO not <laughs> you understand that you're going to have to reread most pages of what you read several times yeah. just to begin to understand it and then also same thing with podcasts or interviews about aliens right. is that it requires you to listen to it many many
2: times
3: mm-hmm. that's like when your teacher would come in and be like for those that did the homework this class should be a breeze and it's
2: like well exactly uh, yeah, i am in well, for a rough ride yeah well the teacher was correct the teacher was a jack <laughs> i'm not even going to go i'm not even going to go yeah. into it well i know when it, i always know that when a teacher walked in and they said that i would always said hmm very good looks yeah. like marcus will be getting a thumbs up. We today all can't in class. graduate Ooh. top of our twelve-member class. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, attentive <laughs> listeners of our alien episodes will remember that oftentimes abductees return home with marks upon their bodies, mm. and those marks sound suspiciously like the devil's nips of yore. <laughs> yeah, man, devil's nips <laughs> That's like just... mine,
0: man. I got big pink old devil's nips, man. <laughs> But a part of it is, but it's true, right? That is, we're going to see again and again, Jacques Vallée, who talked about this endlessly. We're connecting it back to the UFO nature of the men in black. It is every single one of these experiences where people go to another location. There's oftentimes they are also coming in by uh, weird smells blue light, which was actually done a lot of times in ancient rituals where they would cover their torches in pitch that would make a, make the flame that when you light it would make it blue. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it's like that's also connected to UFO activity. And then getting scoops and implants is a, another part of alien activity and abduction activity that Ooh. has been going on since the beginning of time. Scoops and, and also, implants
3: like, Scoops and implants sounds like a very bizarre ice cream slash cosmetic surgery restaurant <laughs> <laughs> slash, co-
0: slash actually. Costume. I guess. It's fantastic, and you should save them for when we retire to Tempe, Arizona, because <laughs> that's where the real alien money is to be made. Yes.
3: When I think of devil's nips, I think of a very meaty version of those really crappy fireworks snakes, <laughs> where it just sort of like unrolls and like kind of pink tubes of. Mm. Interesting. Thank you. Well, here's another example. July 5th. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna point that out once again. Uh, no one. Anyway, uh, here's another example of. A link between UFO lore and witchcraft. The testimony of Tituba, who infamously testified at the Salem Witch Trials in 1692, said that... Stop giggling. Stop giggling. It's it's a woman's name. (laughs) Or is it it Tituba or Tituba? I think it's Tituba. Tituba. Well, she said... (laughs) God damn it. All right, I'm done. She said that she met a tall man with white hair wearing black clothes, Mm. and that the tall man was joined by, quote, Another thing, Eddie, it goes upright like a man, it hath only two legs. And Jim Keith suggests that this duo may have been a man in black accompanied by a sasquatch. Yeah, fucker. What?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hold buddy. So a Listen.
2: <laughs> wow.
3: Was the Remember sasquatch wearing a suit too? <laughs> you just got guys which is incredible because they should go by jose bank because that's where you get all your clothes uh no i am now officially uh too fat for jose bank and <laughs> uh-huh. men's warehouse which is a pun
2: which henry uh, alerted me to in philly i can't believe that blew your mind so oh, hard pretty big deal uh no
3: i am uh i am now rochester big and tall solely and uh forever
0: cool yeah congrats man i, I want you to get a pitch work for them and i think it would be incredible i would love to but You uh, scoff, of course, Kessel, because you didn't do the reading. But if you do look at uh, many cases of UFO activity, Bigfoot, poltergeist activity are often all wrapped up into one. You look at the Bridgewater Triangle. Mm -hmm. You looked at what happened with uh, Mount Shasta. You look at there's a lot of different places. Skinwalker Ranch has quite a bit of the same activity. Cryptid, UFO, alien stuff, uh, and ghost activity all smashed together in a big old... Hum bottle.
3: <laughs> all right, I just Spooky didn't realize. Activity. I
2: didn't realize the Sasquatch and the Men in Black were a duo. That's a that's a movie I'd see. Yeah, that is a mo- definitely a movie I'd see. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, all this stuff shows up in uh, when UFO flaps occur. Oh. Yeah, flaps. That's that's like the term for when like UFO activity occurs in one location for like an extended period of time. Wow, it's that's- also the sound when Stanton Friedman runs up a flight of stairs.
0: <laughs> not to malign stan friedman we had
3: him in the show he's a friend of the show now ufo flaps i call that remember bingo wings yeah (laughs) i got some bingo
2: wings i'm gonna call those ufo flaps from now on now even though the salem witch trials were almost certainly just mass hysteria coupled with people yes anding each other until a guy got crushed with a big rock yeah isn't it more fun to think that maybe just maybe sasquatch was there too come on guys let's have fun
3: with it everything is more fun yeah like you could put sasquatch in a series of horrific uh, historical events and it would make them more fun tell any absolutely. story
2: and then at the end and the, at the end add and sasquatch was there too yeah and absolutely then, cut to trump kim jong-un talking north korea capital like all talking stuff cut
0: over Bigfoot's making pad thai in a big walk <laughs> like
2: next to Just says, being like that's fun. Too. Yeah, that's that's great. Chef's hat on. You know everyone, I mean? everyone he's also cut 15 he's minutes. He's one of the Secret Service members. You know what I mean? <laughs> Now, it seems that man-in-black activity either died down Mm. or went completely unreported in the 18th and most of the 19th century. And while it could have just been that we finally moved past the witch-hunt phase of Western civilization, I mean, the literal witch-hunt phase. Horrible stuff. Something interesting happened near the turn of the 20th century. Mm. Although they were not traditional G-men, hat-and-suit men-in-black, MIBs started popping up In Scotland and England, in 1901, a woman in Scotland saw a group of ten men dressed in black seemingly performing a ritual around a coffin on which a set of bagpipes laid.
3: I think this reminds me of, like, Naked Gun where he shoots a bunch of people who are performing Shakespeare in the park. What <laughs> yes. if it was just a funeral? Could it yes. be a funeral? Yes, absolutely. They could have just been very into the
0: bagpipes, because all it takes is for one man to be like,
3: beating me with me peeps. <laughs> like, are you
0: sure? You're <laughs> like, you to do it and all of your weird black. It's the only way I like to see it, because it's slamming.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Three years later, strong poltergeist activity broke out all over the British Isles, and four people spontaneously combusted in the year 1904 alone Jeez. Yeah. and a year after that a young girl was visited three nights in a row by a man in black the girl said the man gave her a message that she dared not repeat an experience that was echoed half a century later by albert bender but also, most
0: abduction scenarios. Most abduction scenarios, there is a, n- normally, in the stereotypical abduction scenario, there's a section of the, s- the scenario where they are given secret knowledge, and the aliens are like, well, you, can, you can't you can share this with anybody, and we'll know,
2: because, what? We're aliens. We're well, <laughs> aliens, yeah. They, they know a lot. So what happened at the turn of the 20th century? So what happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. Well. well <laughs> don't. don't. <laughs> Tulpas? <laughs> I know what they are. Well, it could be that one man is responsible for all of this, or at least all this beginning. There's one man who may have opened a door, just a crack. a Crack! Door, <laughs> a door <laughs> that may have somehow been shut by persons unknown 200 years earlier. Hmm. And the man who may have reopened it okay. is... Alistair Crowley. Holy! Do, hell. Do, 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 do.
0: And that's him playing the bass. Right. Him playing metal bass, which would be fucking cool as shit. Naked from the waist down, completely hard. Beautiful head with a fucking turban on. Just like, oh man, I fucking. I'm falling re in love with Alistair Crowley. I don't know.
3: How did he reopen it
2: between uh, his 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 orgies and all of the drugs and the and the drinking? We're gonna get into it, man. Okay. Now Henry turned me on to a book called The Secret Rituals of the Men in Black. Hmm. And that book attempts to connect the titular characters to that one time in 1904 when, on his honeymoon in Egypt, Crowley made contact with a being called Avas, Ooh. And Avas. Then dictated to Crowley the Book of Law, which serves as the central sacred text to Crowley's religious philosophy of thelema, thereby mm. kicking off a new stage of spiritual evolution known as the Aeon of Horus. I think you did uh, mispronounce it. It's the Book of Horny Law, which <laughs> I we really do have to
3: clarify that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it just Aleister Crowley with doing the old like you know dick in the, bo-
2: the box of popcorn yep. at, on the very cover. Yeah. However, I read the book uh-huh. and failed to understand any of it, Okay. or how it actually connects to the men in black. Because if I remember, they talked more about a fish man in that book than they ever did about the men in black. The men in black are mentioned like four times. So maybe... Henry
3: has a very skeptical look on
2: his face here. I think we have a rebuttal. Maybe. Well, no, I'm that's the thing. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just uh-huh. saying I didn't understand it. Just because I didn't understand it doesn't mean that it doesn't make any sense. Well, that...
1: No, don't Being applaud that that's not. You get an
2: applause is, for that.
3: No, it's not If you
2: don't understand it, it doesn't make any sense. No, that's no, nope. because that's the things that you could understand. Understand something that I don't understand, but it still makes sense to you. Yeah. And there are many things that I understand that you definitely don't understand. Oh, that makes please! Sense. Yeah. It's, it's like, because <laughs> I refuse it likes to, to taste live Bud in Bud a world of lies, <laughs> and I don't you drink like, Bud Light Lime. <laughs>
3: He enjoys the taste of it, which is a mystery. That's a tulpa. That is a tulpa. They are conjuring up images of me with Bud Light Limes. It's not happening. I will always remember the sentence.
0: I will always remember you sucking on a tall boy Bud Light Lime going, It's like a margarita, except I got it in a
1: can.
2: No, you (laughs) fucking Um, dick. No, that is not. And then, oh my God. And then after you said that, they started selling margaritas in a can. So that (laughs) means that you very possibly, through your love of Bud Light Lime, I don't like (laughs) Or love, yeah.
3: or even drink Bud Light Lime. It tastes right. like poison.
0: Someone doth protest too much. Oh my God. Well, Henry, what, so, is, what is this book? Okay. Uh, a part of it is is that it's technically a sequel to uh, Secret Rituals of the UFO Knots. It's by Alan Greenfield, who is an, a paranormal researcher and magic, magic ritual master. Who is a, He is. It's very difficult. A part of it is when I read Secret Rituals of the Men in Black was that it realized just how far out of my depth I am when it comes to magical learning. What he says is that the Men in Black are part of a... It's essentially like a group that are wizards... From back in the day, that have been around. They're like entities that are a part of the original, quote unquote, the secret chiefs. They're these entities that come from the other side, essentially lower daemons, right? Yeah. But a part of what Secret Rituals of the UFO Knots, which is his first book. That was really the first book. It was printed in, like, 1996. It was done in a series of lectures and and printed in and, and the beginnings of the internet. It was also, like, heavily, like, in the weird backlogs of the internet. That These are the first people to say that the, uh, like the Golden Dawn and Freemasons and all this shit and the ultimate masters they were speaking to were actually aliens. So what he is saying, he's connecting the men in black, That is where, obviously, the Men in Black thing is kind of just the hook for that book. Yeah. But a part of what it is is explaining how, when you do Modern Ritual now, they consider the fish people, which is Oanis, which is this group of, uh, essentially, those are the people, the the weird... uh, amphibious group of aliens that were talking to the original group of Freemasons that started everything. They're like the keep the gatekeepers of of our lives and our and information. Talk to the Godhead. Basically, he's talking again about.
1: Oh, man.
3: Well, now, it's are just they, it, I just realized fish? how little I know. <laughs> they're, they're, are they head fish or
2: feet fish? Uh, fish men. So fish men. Like imagine if a fish kept evolving like a million years from now, like a fish of i just seeing a fish with a human head. Ugh.
3: Is it mostly a fish with a human head? It's no, like it's a- the
0: opposite. It's always the opposite because they need a cock to fuck
2: us yeah. <laughs> to make more of them. <laughs> it's oh, a my. humanoid fish.
3: Oh. Yeah. But
0: it's a, yes, it is a loose connection. But what he, basically, what he's saying is that the men in black themselves have rituals on their own. And that it's the same stuff that we would do to talk to the Godhead. And they are like, they are intelligences that. Basically, they cr- the the beginning of the book is cracking that Alistair Crowley understood that the Book of Law was a gigantic cipher that was given to him by AWAS That he realized in the middle of his life that he didn't even understand what they were really talking about, and yet, and he knew that because it, basically it's written in the Book of Law that uh, the next generation would come and decipher it, and they created a grid. Basically, all the, it's all about the grid that they put together with numbers and connecting letters, which Aiwass is actually like the key to the actual code and that you could use it like all the biblical numerology shit where it's like certain words match up to numbers that all correspond to each other for for no reason
2: yeah it's like but the but, city, the,
0: but like we don't point. know why it's just we just don't know what
3: the reason is yet when did he get the hat <laughs> You know. It's a great hat. Yeah. It's a great hat. Yeah, the triangle the triangle he, hat. He really brought it all together with the hat. Yeah. I wonder who
0: gave it but to him. But someone please explain it to me and I'd like to actually speak to someone either on a Patreon interview or just in my
2: life to help understand what the book is about because yeah. I'm I'm out of my depth. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick Redfern, quoting zoologist Richard Freeman, has a somewhat simpler connection.
1: Okay.
3: Huh. Simpler <laughs> oh, than that? Okay. I <laughs> see
2: how this is. It's like red right, A to B to <laughs> Well, Freeman's story starts in the year 1900 with Crowley's purchase of Bowskine House, which is located mm. off the shores of where else but Loch Ness. Oh. Yeah. Now, even though there are two recorded sightings of a water beast in or near Loch Ness previous to 1900, Loch Ness's reputation as home to one of the world's most famous cryptids didn't begin until 1934. Really? With the publication of the infamous Surgeon's Photograph. Yeah. There's a lot
0: of people saying there's beasts in the waters, but there's no beast out there except for Gregor's
2: mother. She built a <laughs> <laughs> <their> be <sunbead> and <laughs> roast bone. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, Crowley, he chose the house for its seclusion, but also because the area had a long occult history, most notably when a local wizard reanimated a whole series of corpses from the nearby Bolskine Cemetery in the late 17th century.
3: So he basically had a bunch of his friends dig up a bunch of graves, and then he's like, when I do the magic bimbop thing, whatever I do, (laughs) throw them in the water. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. But also very similar to the Zobops, the
2: voodoo priests that also been compared to the Men in Black. Very much so. I like the name, Zobops. It was here at Balskine House that Crowley attempted perhaps his most famous ritual. Uh oh. This was the site of Crowley's attempt to summon his very own guardian angel. And
0: hopefully, it's got a randy old Schwanz on him. <laughs> so yeah. that
3: I can consume it
0: with my boot I
3: know. I have a feeling this involves, like, getting the, uh, getting a bitty, uh, nice big thing there. It,
2: it did. But yeah. on the other hand, this ritual, this actually this ritual kind of runs a little contrary to what you'd usually think uh, about uh, Alistair Crowley. Like he had, if I remember correctly, he had to abstain from any alcohol or like any mind-altering substances. Yeah, dude. If you're going to dilate your butthole no, that I, big. I think he abstained from sex as well for those six months. You
3: have to. Yeah. You, there's six, a part
0: yeah. of this... But same thing with Alan Greenfield. that so when they're talking about when they do these magical works, these take weeks and weeks and you have, it takes a lot of discipline and you have to do it step by step where you like use the Enochian key and then you do a bunch of ban- banning spells where you banish a bunch of fucking other entities that you don't need and you have to keep other people there. It takes a really long time. You have to stop for lunch. Right. And also <laughs> these people are sober as a fucking cat, dude. Yeah. These guys are just high on runes. You have to just <laughs> sit there and be vibrant So hard that you just can see this shit because again, it's not what you, the idea of what you say is real and what I say is real is completely different because it's more like a hallucinatory reality where you sort of allow the images to conjure their way into your brain and then slowly but surely
3: they become real. That's why I don't like sober people that, unless you really need to be sober, in which case be sober, but... Bud Light shuts some doors, and you don't need every door open in the house because you got a breeze coming through, it's unsafe, anyone can enter. You want
2: to close it up a little bit. Well, this ritual, it requires that the magician summon and bind the 12 kings and dukes of hell, including Payman. (laughs) In order to dukes remo- of hell, yes, very funny. <laughs> a couple very of those <laughs> first boob of the day. It's July fifth. Yeah. I am s- okay. I- <laughs> well. Those demons, those kings and dukes of hell, they have to be summoned and bound in order to remove the negative influences from the wizard's life. But Crowley wasn't quite as talented of a magician as he'd thought, huh. as it said that he failed miserably and was never able to banish the demons that he'd summoned and it suggested wow. that these demons were the first manifestations of the modern men in black so crowley did this well crowley started it and let's go even further with it you're not you're not gonna believe where this story goes i'm not gonna believe any of this no jim <laughs> <laughs> That's my I,
3: believe, I don't believe but 99% of the content that we've discussed on this show. Over. No, I'm just joking. I really love it. <laughs> very good acting. <laughs>
2: Thank you very much. I, I, appre- I appreciated that. I, I appreciated that. Now, Jim Keith maintains... That Crowley, Jim Keith being the guy that wrote Casebook for the Men in Black, Jim Keith maintains that Crowley was actually a white magician rather than mm. the more evil black variety, meaning that Crowley fought on the side of humanity, like when he uh, <clears throat> later on supposedly helped Churchill win World War II. Yeah. He was oh. a spy
0: for the British. Yes. But they were saying apparently that he worked with British intelligence. And I actually do believe in a lot of this. Because mm-hmm. even Crowley said that he was mystified at the end of his life why people thought he was so evil. Yeah. He was actually trying to do good, but doing what later became known as, I would say, the sort of the satan- Satanistic principle. Which is you dress like the villain. Because
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it gets you late. Right. He, de- he definitely liked doing that. Uh, Crowley believed that something called the Black Lodge... Working with humans known as the Black Brothers worked against the interests of humanity, Hmm. preventing us from reaching higher states of knowledge. And Typhonian OTO head Kenneth Grant went even further, saying that the aim of the Black Lodge was the isolation of mankind and the rejection of the universal life current, meaning... They work to prevent people from connecting with one another in meaningful ways.
3: Oh, and we see what happens when people get to connect globally—how peaceful it is, no, and how wonderful it is. No, they were
0: not. Though we're being divided up. That's what they're that's saying. What I'm the whole saying. point is that they're winning, and then a part of what support- this is supposed to be—is that I mean, in the end, Crowley was truly doing the wh- the right hand path's work, which is trying to use knowledge to help everyone. But it's and not working. And the idea working. was supposed to be total transparency, and because we will not evolve to the next spiritual steps that will then lead to the technological steps that we need to fucking travel the space, travel the stars, right. using nothing but our minds and our bodies turn turn us into fucking nanoparticles. We can't do that well if we don't fucking d- band together. I like yeah, we that, like the
2: cowboy kid in Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, dude, Twitter comes directly from the Black Lodge. Mark so, Zuckerberg is absolutely an agent of the Black Lodge. Really? Yeah
3: my god (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna steal his wallet and see if he has one of those cards Hmm. so we just did it backwards we Hmm. were supposed to evolve emotionally first and then get the test yes absolutely Ah, yes that's the the problem yeah no no you're getting it though i believe it yeah i mean obviously we're
2: not ready for prime time yet no we were (laughs) no we were not ready for the technological advances that came in the early 21st century (sighs) at all okay now let's bring alan greenfield back into this now, and Alan Greenfield, even though rituals of the uh, secret rituals of the men in black is very confusing, there are certain gems that uh, were taken out uh, that make a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. Specifically, Casebook like, kind of parsed all that and took these great uh, excerpts out. Cool. Now, Greenfield, he even brought in the lore of Philip K. Dick into the mix. He said that the Black Lodge may be defined as the organized institution guided by Vallis for the purpose of holding back human evolution, keeping a slave mentality in place. Now, I'll admit, I know nothing about Valis or Philip K. Dick or any of that shit, but I do know Henry knows all about this. Hmm. Now, a part of what you remember is like, so one thing to keep it back to,
0: like connecting it back to men in black, a part of the reason why they're attaching themselves to discounting UFO sightings and going and shutting people up, it's because that's the that's the extension of their trying to create more ignorance and trying to create more fear, right? Vallas is a system known mm-hmm. as the Vast Active Living Intelligence System that uh, oh, approached Philip K. Dick. Now, apparently, in a, in a vision to Philip K. Dick, he was zapped with a pink laser beam of pure information from Vallas that basically showed him that there's no such thing as time. He went... That all time is concurrent. That we that he mm-hmm. viewed himself in Roman times. It also happened to tell him that his son had a heart condition as a little baby, and he had to go through all of these different tests. He was like making the doctors run all these tests on his son, and they were like, "There we. Do, there's no reason for this." And finally, they took X-rays of his heart, and they saw that he had a heart defect that would have killed him. Right. So they feed him these little bone molts of information. Which was this, and then he died several years later of a brain aneurysm. Some people say that maybe that that was like sort of like th- that bubble in his brain is what caused mm-hmm. him to see it, or is it vice versa? So he had like. <laughs> and a, so what <laughs> Valis is is that no
2: wait. So are you fucking bringing phenomenon type of shit into? Yes, Philip John K. Travolta. The, yes, Travolta? the John Travolta
3: Kira Sedgwick vehicle. Yes.
2: Wait. <laughs> I don't know what happened to your... How are we at Travolta? What he's listen. saying is that it's possible that, you know, Vallas was actually... He was able to see Vallas because he had a brain defect, right. much like John Travolta was able to perform telekinesis in the movie Phenomenon because of the brain tumor. I'm spoiler! A okay. Yes. <laughs>
3: spoiler! Yeah, man. I'm the spoiler well, alert, listen, guy. So, King no, spoiler alert. I'm allowed
2: to but spoil back, th- Phenomenon. And in Michael,
3: he's an angel.
0: <laughs> but back to uh, understanding... So where we're at, right? Vallas... Is sort of one of the spokes or one of the tips. Like if you imagine a twenty-six sided star, right? Twenty-six points. If you imagine a twenty-six pointed star, one of and being the Godhead, one of those points is Valus. One of those points are the fish people that talk to the original people, or they one and the same. One of those points is uh, Iwas. One of those points is lamb that Alistair Crowley was one of his contacts that he drew on a piece of paper. And what did it look like? A fucking alien. Yeah. Right. Same <laughs> shit. So what Valis is, is the system that Philip K. Dick was connected to. But then it's more about was he feeding the was it feeding him information? Or was it, like, giving him selected good bits of info and then keeping him repressed the entire time? Because a part mm. of it is understanding, too, when you're working in ritualistic magic, because now Alan Greenfield, he calls upon Valus in his new like, introductory rites when he does a ritual. Like, Vallis is in there. There's a right. part of it, because what happens with, like, because if Philip K. Dick went insane, he went insane the only way a sci-fi genius could go insane, which is, you go really fucking insane. And then he <laughs> wrote that Exegesis was the 1,400-page journal trying to describe all the things that he saw, which is very detailed, which uh-huh. we will do an episode about. But a part of it is that when you call an entity like that, right, when you talk to the the honest or you talk to Vallis, Who's to say that they don't have their own fucking agenda
3: as well? Honestly, I think I get this. Appetizer sampler. <laughs> you got mozzarella sticks. You got you got quesadillas. Uh-huh. You got maybe mini sliders. You got maybe chicken wings. Right. You get a lot, uh-huh. you know, but you don't get the steak. So y- he wa- he never got the steak. He got the sampler. He could have well, theoretically been given this- the steak, but he was also satisfied with the sampler
2: because, let's be honest, they're awesome. Well, I, I would say... Honestly- no, okay. it makes sense. Uh, uh, okay, uh, Well, I would say that the stake is monotheism, because you get the stake, you just get one god. You just get you the just one. Get, you just get the one. But with the app sampler, right. you get a whole bunch. You get a sample. You get a whole bunch. Yeah. Right. So he got all of it, but he never quite got the steak.
0: You know what? I, I, I'm I technically more confused, because now I'm like thinking about it, what you're saying. <laughs> no. And like in a weird way, it does kind of ping, but mostly yeah. I think it's just because I love advertisers. Yeah, well,
3: I think it makes a little sense. Of course.
0: Shopping for humans is hard. But shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to bark. It's cause dog can't give you its opinion. But every month we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. And then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up, she barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order bark box for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmy has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys, and she's a murderer. She rips these things up, but you know, we got some high quality, tough toys from Bark Box, and she absolutely loves them. And our family could not be happier. (laughs) And if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to Barkbox. To get your free upgrade, go to barkbox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at barkbox.com slash left for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key.
3: Yeah, very key. You got to communicate clearly.
0: All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is data and you're kissing a lady on another planet. And data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me, because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does, will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma blah, blah, blah. When oh, it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank, I get it. Yes, but still like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need, a stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Getting engaged is special for so many reasons. Planning the perfect proposal. Oh, I want to do it at the Hindenburg. (laughs) I want to do it at the Hindenburg Memorial. Celebrating your love and looking forward to the rest of your lives. And if you're lucky, it's short. The only part that's not so special, shopping for an engagement ring, if you don't know what you're doing. That's where BlueNile.com comes in. Especially if you don't feel like talking to your mother. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring with little or no feedback from their mother. With Blue Nile, you can create a brilliant piece at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Why use anything traditional? Blue Nile also offers a diamond price guarantee, which means that they can usually meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. And I sent you to Stephen, my guy, but you still refuse and you decide to go with your Blue Nile little thing because, oh, it's got 100% satisfaction guarantee with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And sometimes Steven doesn't answer your calls. And sometimes Steven loses the rings. But that's where you don't understand. Because Stephen was there for me when your father wasn't. And honestly, so now is Blue Nile. Because every time I call, they pick up with the 24-7 customer support. And they hear all about my hands hurting and how I've got, they have to reverse my feet at the doctor. They, they said, and they, but eventually they said that it's temporary. They're going to put it back forward. But oh, thank you, Blue Nile, for not picking up, even though I texted my son. Right now you can get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: Let's get back to two words that I'm sure kind of pinged in a couple of people's brains. Black Lodge. And of course, Black Lodge pinged in your brain if you're a big fan of Twin Peaks. Yes. And, in fact, much of the Twin Peaks Black Lodge stuff comes from Aleister Crowley. It comes mm. from his novel Moonchild. Now, in this book, a girl named Lisa travels into the fourth dimension and enters into the Black Lodge. The characters inside it can be interpreted as a dwarf surrounded by music, a beautiful woman murdered with a red line around her throat, and a man of incalculable evil. In other words, the dwarf, Laura Palmer, and Bob.
1: Shit, yeah, man. Um, Quick pigs, dude. Well, (laughs) uh, Mr.
3: Lynch, thank you so much for coming here to Sony and pitching your show idea. Um, (laughs) It was really uh, quite... I don't... I am... I need to you. You go got to get, get the big fish.
2: Can <laughs> <laughs> we just give him the show? Now, you might say that this is all fiction. You know, it's just Moonchild is a novel, Twin Peaks is a TV show. But Moonchild was largely based on magicians that Crowley knew and the rituals that they had performed. And Twin Peaks is, we've been talking about this a lot. Mm. Like, it's about as close to modern occult mythology as we're going to get. Cool. Because he, they really did their homework in terms
0: of, if you want to talk about the Black Lodge, mm-hmm. they, the, the new season, the third season of Twin Peaks is a gigantic occult exploration, which I would say is as close to uh, David Bowie's Black Star mm-hmm. as anything else, where it's like, yeah. you just want to get down deep and you go through all these references. You technically need to be watching Twin Peaks with the fucking computer open,
3: like, searching shit. I haven't yeah. seen the uh, the third season yet. I'll get to it in two years from now. <laughs>
2: but so you remember
0: spilled- when when it gets to the Black Lodge is where the Men in Black lived. So the idea is that mm. Alistair Crowley like, opened the door a Black Lodge, a couple things slipped out, then he slammed it shut.
2: Yeah. Wow. So how does all this tie into the Men in Black? That's a good question. Well, the story goes that Crowley spent decades keeping the Black Lodge at bay, working with other members of the Great White Brotherhood. However... There were some in the Brotherhood who fell to the influence of the Black Lodge. And the most successful black brother of them all uh-huh. was L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, oh dude. He's back in. God, again. He's back in play, man. <laughs> How does because it all a come it, back
3: to that rotund Colonel?
0: <laughs> because he was very important. He sadly, weirdly, was, a vi- was a very important to American history if we believe that our interpretation of these events are true.
2: Yes. Okay. Now, if you'll remember from our L. Ron Hubbard series, it was either like episode one or two, I think it was one, Hubbard made friends with noted occultist and rocket scientist Jack Parsons when Hubbard was on the road to founding Scientology. And he was pounding
0: out his girlfriend and taking all his money and having a great time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think
2: Parsons liked him too much. No, no, no. But in 1945, these two guys working together, and we know for a fact that this actually happened. We know that Parsons and Hubbard attempted... The Moonchild ritual, in which they were hoping to produce an incarnation of a divine woman known as Babylon, aka the Scarlet Woman. Now, following the ritual, Hubbard essentially ruined Parsons' life, and Parsons died under suspicious circumstances six years later in a quote unquote accidental explosion in his garage. <laughs> That's yes. Right. Yes. And, oh, man. and it is definitely worth noting. Parsons was a student of Aleister Crowley, hmm. and Crowley had no confidence whatsoever in these two dudes. And this is decades after Crowley's peak. Yeah, you can't just
3: go making flubber in your garage <laughs> if you're not a scientist that's capable you, of doing so. No, he you
0: can though, he's not capable of doing it. You obviously. can though, because sometimes it makes you great at basketball, and it brings your family back
2: together. That's <laughs> true. Well, this is what Crowley wrote in a letter to, like, another O.T.O. guy about these two assholes. Apparently, Parsons or Hubbard or somebody is producing a moon child. I get fairly frantic
0: when I contemplate the idiocy of these louts. Oh, oh, I'm sorry I'm sitting on a parking cone.
3: (laughs) Uh, sir, I'm just trying to park here.
0: (laughs) No parking, valet only. Okay.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but it's important to so remember Crowley that. was not happy that they were using his magic wrong. Absolutely not. Okay.
0: Well, a part of what's going to be very difficult to explain to people outside of the magical world is that ritual work, to be honest, while it's talked about quite a bit, is pretty rare. The right hand path, like what you always talked about, we had talked about when we did our magic episodes, they always did this for specific personal knowledge. They weren't trying to actually use the rituals the way they were intended. Aleister Crowley stepped out of style, and he was the one that was really doing stuff, being like, I want to do it. I want to talk to the entities. I want to get power and money from them. I want to show people that that's what magic is for. But the thing mm. is that a lot of people, like you're going to see, I think that we have real witches and sorcerers that listen to the show that do ritual mm-hmm. magic. But you know for a fact how many people do you know or self-describe quote-unquote witches, they've never done a fucking ritual. They just no. got candles and shit like <laughs> they're just having a nice time and they're wearing see-through clothes so that's mm-hmm. making making witch. But a part what? of what these guys do, it's just like uh, is L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons had the fucking schnonces to actually do the moonchild ritual, which is an incredibly mm. important ritual that no one had really I guess they had tempted forms of it, but these guys taking a full fucking home run swing for it because a part of it, and they had two separate goals. Jack mm. Parsons wanted to use the spirit of Babylon to actually put down Alistair Crowley's beginning of the Aeon of Horus, because Horus is connected to Mars mm-hmm. and to fire, which is the idea is that we'd be living in this, like, war-like time, and what we're trying to do is get, bring peace and love and harmony, and Babylon was supposed to come and ba- teach everybody that slick pussies and hard penises and all that stuff is supposed to make things good and not bad, like, it's supposed to, like sexual healing for everyone, mm-hmm. but fucking uh, L. Ron Hubbard had a
3: whole other idea of how to use this energy. Yeah. And it seemed like, yes. I can't stop thinking now of Parsons and Hubbard in like clear see-through shirts like Christian and Edge from WWE used to wear. And I just don't want to think about like their weird bodies being being able to
2: be seen through their black cloth shirts. I mean, Hubbard, he had definitely a weird body, but like Parsons Parsons was a heartthrob. He was. He was. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, Oh, yeah. Hubbard
0: had a perfectly normal body. (laughs)
3: No, it's your body, and it's the only reason you're saying that. He had
2: a thinker's body. A (laughs) very successful man's body. Uh, (laughs) But even though Crowley had no confidence in these guys being able to pull this off, it's possible that L. Ron Hubbard actually knew exactly what he was doing, Hmm. and he used Jack Parsons and the knowledge that Jack Parsons had learned from Aleister Crowley to do it. Now, here's another thing from Bishop Reverend Alan Greenfield. You got to say it like, here's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> here's another thing. <laughs> this is good. Greenfield maintains that L. Ron Hubbard was working for the Black Lodge. Jeez. Greenfield wrote, The Black Lodge's aim was to delay the manifestation of the new aeon, the birth of the magical child, and the realization of the ubermensch through diversion of the will current into less-than-useless power plays, demoralizing materialist and superstitious delusions, and New Age jargon. And it could be argued that useless power plays, demoralizing materialist and superstitious delusions, and New Age jargon are the foundation's... Of Scientology. Interesting. Yeah. New
3: New age jargon. I like it. So this is, is this like, what's that Zenu guy? Uh, That that whole thing with Scientology? Is that that where he came up with that idea? No, he
0: purposefully, I think that it's technically, the idea is that it's purposefully misleading. It is purposefully done to get, to con you and make you believe in something that's entirely cynical. And then by the end of it, it's you have been wasting your time.
2: Yeah, Scientology removes thought completely. You have no thoughts of your... All Scientology does is it it just, uh, you know, shoots a bunch of manure in your head. (laughs) Manure? This sounds like a father trying to convince his daughter not to get
3: in Scientology. (laughs) All Scientology does is it just shoots a bunch of manure in your head. And I don't see why you can't just be happy here in the homestead in Oklahoma. (laughs) Uh, It's a perfectly fine home. Your mother loves you. I love you. Your brother loves you too much, but that's okay. But you don't understand.
0: Not only can I jump seven feet, I'm
2: also not gay anymore, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Manure shoots into your head. Now, it very well could be possible that Hubbard's actual goal in the Moonchild ritual was to open the door to the Black Lodge mm. completely, letting all manner of creatures and malicious aliens into this world. And what do those include? The Men in Black. Yep. Wow. Because after all, it was only two years later Wait. the aliens were crash landing in Roswell, New Mexico, Wait. and UFO sightings haven't slowed down since.
3: Yeah, aren't the Men in Black? Don't the Men in Black? I've seen the fucking movies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> don't they kill aliens? No. No. That's just no, the honey. movies. They're Those part are movies. and parcel,
0: man. They're all like it's the idea of the Hegelian dialectic. They are they are the same phenomena. They control the UFO activity. They are part of UFO activity. They're UFO and police, and they aren't they? Control, sort of, but they also are entities like the
2: UFO knots that pilot these crafts. You just won't, you just refuse to say UFO knots, don't you? I will not. <laughs> hmm. All right. Now, supposedly, <laughs> aliens weren't the only thing to come through the door to the Black Lodge. Uh-oh. Although creatures like Sasquatch, Nessie, mermaids, and such and such Mm -hmm. have existed for centuries, something curious happened following the Moonchild ritual. Hmm. Around that time, truly bizarre creatures started showing up all around the world, but North America in particular. Uh Take, for example, the Flatwoods monster that we spoke Mm -hmm. of last week. Yeah, Yeah, with the fucking fish
0: flaps and the fucking big flat head and the red eyes.
2: Yeah. That was first seen in 1952. And remember, Bender said that the creatures that he met in Antarctica looked just like the Flatwoods Monster. Yeah, dude. Then... There's the half man, half frog, Loveland frogman in 1955, the fishy man goat that is the Lake Worth monster in 1969, the tendril fingered Dover demon in 1977, (laughs) the spiked Mexican, Texan, Puerto Rican chupacabra in 1995, and countless others all across the continent. And think about this you're fucking, you're Bigfoot, right? You're OG.
0: You're oh, out wow. there like you're hanging out with a Native American who he keeps calling you Long Wise Man. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. keep him coming. Keep them compliments, Native Americans. You'll see how far you get. You know what I mean? You're sucking on his peace pipe. Things are totally fucking groovy. And all of a sudden, the Flatwoods Monster shows up. And right. he's just like, get me fucking out of here, dude. I'm just yep. a fucking monkey, man. (laughs)
3: chupacabra showing up eating all the apples
2: oh yeah man you're a sasquatch and the chupacabra shows up like
3: (laughs) (laughs) get out of here at least I'm mildly human like
2: Uh, fuck yeah you're fucking annoying me bro shut up and that's exactly what it is from what I can tell with a few exceptions a lot of the other cryptids around the world that you see in the latter half of the 20th century um, even before that they tend to have fairly close zoological cousins Hmm. but the one seen here in North America are usually malformed beasts, like nightmare chimeras that terrorize small towns. Mm. Think about this, right? And like the Men in Black that pop out,
0: they're like nightmarish copies of humans. Mm-hmm. It's like that shit. It's like Annihilation, where the creatures that come out are like, there's these entities that poke their way out of the Black Lodge and sort of hang on these like ideas of like, Humans wear shoes. You have to have a thick-soled shoe to make sure you protect your very fragile human feet. So all of a sudden, you have a big, thick-soled shoes on. You show up all this stuff, being like, "Oh, look, I'm a, I'm a deer." But actually, you're the Dover Demon. You're just going
3: because
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's how they fucking show up.
2: Oh, kind of prairie dog it, huh? Oh yeah, man. Pop up, pop down. And no cryptid of that time was more terrifying or more famous than. The Mothman. Yeah, dude. And the Mothman curiously shares a state with the aforementioned Flatwoods Monster. Both were in West Virginia. And it just so happens that the Mothman was also at the center of some of the most bizarre encounters ever recorded involving... Do you want to take it, Ben? Involving...
3: I would just am- Mothman and, and Flat Guy. Uh, <laughs> no, no, are,
2: No, no, no. Who are we talking episode, about? Who what? we been talking about for? Uh, we're going on like two and a half hours now. Okay. Uh, involving. What was the question? <laughs> I really want to get. I'm not. I don't. No, it's not. A, it's not a question. Okay. I want you to finish my sentence. Oh, okay. All right. I okay. want. I want you, I want you to go. finish my sentence. Here we go. And it just so happens that the Mothman was also at the center of some of the most bizarre encounters ever recorded, involving.
3: This is going to be a very easy class for those that do their homework. <laughs> um, I, I don't uh, involve... Just say the men L in black. Ratton, say just say, say the men Crowley. in black. Involving... Yeah. The Black Lodge. <laughs> involving <laughs> Elis- the men in black. Black! The men in... Involving the men in black. Are we breaking you? <laughs> oh, no, no, I've been broken a <laughs> lot. I think I've
2: episode 50. <laughs> I was broken, so... But before we get to the Mothman, we've got to introduce the third of the three writers that contributed the most to the Men in Black story besides Albert Bender and Gray Barker. Okay. And that man is John Keel. I love oh, him. Oh, yeah. Now John Keel is actually a pretty fascinating character in the world of the paranormal. And although he did write a saucy softcore Batman porn parody paperback <laughs> named The Fickle Finger of Fate. <laughs> oh
0: God, which is just Batman with a finger permanently placed inside Robin. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: God. Yes, he did write The Fickle Finger of Fate. Yeah. But he's best known He's best known uh. for his nineteen seventy five book. The Mothman Prophecies. Now, cool. if you
0: want Weirdo History of America, The Mothman Prophecies is an essential book. Think about how many books we've read in the last two weeks for this episode. This may be the most. Right. Of the Technically the most, quote-unquote, not real subject we've ever covered.
2: Well, there's, I mean, page count we've probably done more. researched more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Page count, definitely going to go ahead and say Jonestown. That's our, our number That's one. the big one. Mm-hmm. But big number, one. number of thin books... Uh we're at five. is definitely up
3: there. Yeah, yeah, we're five. Oh, you guys got a bunch of personal pan pizzas coming your way. No denying that. <laughs> oh, oh, the bucket. book club? No, oh, I'm nobody.
0: One in class. No, you never but, get you never get rewarded for reading alien books. Well, that's that's true. how many times I would bring those into class. I remember bringing yeah. alien books into class as a little kid and they're like, "This isn't real books. You need to read a real book like of Mice and Men? <laughs> oh,
3: God, I hate that book.
2: I love that book. Uh, no, I know man. why you hate it. Yeah,
3: because first of all, rabbits are they are weak. Second of all, why are you so mean to the big guy? It's because alone. he
2: killed a woman. He killed no, a I woman. I understand
3: that he gave a massage to someone. Well, you know what, man?
2: It's like, whatever. Leave the guy alone. Leave him alone. Well, Keel, besides just writing the Mothman prophecies, he was one of the most important voices in Men in Black research. And although he did not coin the phrase Men in Black, he was the one who popularized it in a story called UFO Agents of Terror in the Men's Adventure Magazine saga.
3: God, again, that's when Men's Adventure Magazines were so much more fun than they are now. It's all muscle milk and how to get your (laughs) penis slightly larger and how to get your pecs bigger. Why can't we have fun stuff like that anymore? I don't know, man. I don't want to climb a mountain. (laughs) I don't want to look at myself in the mirror flexing and feel good about it. No just want to talk about i would much rather read a, a tale like that
2: i want to read a story about how a guy climbed a mountain and found a weird bird yeah and then yeah. climbed back down
0: i just want to meet a, to read a story about a five foot seven boy a round boy who meets a very long woman and they they spend their lives going in a big hot air balloon from town to town killing men in black and having
2: sex <laughs> i think you're gonna have to write that one yep i will with my actions well however even though keel was a talented paranormal writer Mm -hmm. he also had a flair for exaggeration so whatever story told to him tended to be given a little extra oomph for dramatic purposes but that though was saved for his writing in person keel tended to be a little more real his most bizarre encounter with the men in black was just told to paranormal author brad steger who we have no doubt used as a source on last podcast in the past. We've mm. definitely used. Brad oh,
0: Shiger. yes, absolutely. He is an old school Bill Cooper style
2: conspiracy, like hardline guy. Yeah, he's a hardline guy, but he's not quite there. Like he's not going to die in a shootout in his front yard like Bill Cooper did. Okay. Now, allegedly, Keel had the same sort of visitation that Albert Bender had experienced as in, you know, men in black show up, say stop looking into the shit and we won't have to hurry yet. Mm. But during Keel's visit. The men in black decided to turn up the weirdness factor a bit. At the end of the conversation, in which the men in black not so subtly threatened Keel's life, one of the men in black started rummaging around under Keel's sink. (laughs) The man in black came out with a big bottle of Clorox bleach and asked Keel, What is
3: this? What is this? What is this? What do we have here? What kind of liquid? (laughs) Well, it's got the yuck logo on it. Uh, we did put that sticker on it
2: for the children, so they know not to drink it. And Keel told the Men in ba- Black, "It's Clorox bleach. It's a powerful disinfectant." Hmm. Yeah, really. Like we're gonna believe you? <laughs> well, I would. But... Yeah, because the uh, Men in Black, the Man in Black, he opened up the bottle mm-hmm. and he put it. He just stuck it under Keel's S- nose and told it, him to it. sniff it, smell, smell it. it, smell it, <laughs> smell it. Which everyone loves. Everyone
3: always yeah. loves to be
2: forced oh, to smell yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oh, no, it's, it's always a great scent when someone requests you to smell something. Oh, yeah. Then, after the Man in Black confirmed again that it was indeed Clorox bleach... He just took a big old swig of it, yeah, and buddy. then handed it over to the next man in black, nice. who gulped down like a few more swallows. Like, Ugh, uh, 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 Ugh. Uh, and then he uh, handed uh, it off to the third man in black, who finished off the bottle.
0: <laughs> it always reminds me of uh, what's Harlan Williams from Dumb and Dumber? Oh He yeah. goes and he gets the
3: bottle.
1: <laughs> Get
3: out of here!
2: <laughs> then they uh-huh. just left. No. If, N- not replacing the bleach. Huh? <laughs> and this isn't even close to the most bizarre of the Men in Black stories because, as the movie, and you know, Ben. You are guilty of being fooled. Sugar water. Yeah. More sugar water. <laughs> Even though the movie may make it seem like the men in black are all like suave dudes who show up to save the world. Well, got a couple of good one-liners and they get out of there. To be fair, there's only one suave dude. Well, ah, he no. makes that look good. No, Tommy Lee Jones is also suave.
0: I
3: mean, he does No, but he's not, not supposed but, to be. He's the white
2: square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still suave. But really, most of the time, the men in black are just unsettling weirdos. Yeah, like they're fucking horror creatures unleashed from the Black Lodge. Yeah. Really? And unsettling weirdos were exactly who infested the small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia in 1967 following the appearance of the Mothman. Hmm. And that is where we'll pick up our story on Men in Black... Part three. Now, you we may be wondering a, we're doing a trio. We're doing now, you may a be tri- wondering why yeah. we're
0: doing a trio because, number one, it actually works with canon because men in black come in threes. So I think that spiritually it works and psychically it works. Mm-hmm. But also, guys, unfortunately, we have just scratched the surface. And this <laughs> really? Is, there is so much more shit. And I was saying this the last time to Marcus, and I really believe this where it's like, one day you guys ain't going to see me for a while. And I'm going to come back, and I am going to either have a men in black in a fucking net, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be taking pictures of it, or I'll be covered in men in black blood, Uh just hunting them down spiritually from state to state and country to country. So you're just going to
3: kidnap a bunch of people?
0: No, I'm going to kidnap men in black, and I'm going to torture them until they admit
3: it, that they are (laughs) men in black. Okay, yeah, that'll be good. Um, All right. Well, wow. There we go. Men in Black Part 3 coming up next week. Oh, yeah. Wow, man. I feel cleansed.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Me too. That felt good. We got it out. Yeah, we got it sitting upside it, but you've been having so many nightmares and babbling at Natalie. And she likes it too. But a part of it, man, wait too... Oh man, we're gonna fucking crack this, me and Natalie, one day. We're gonna get off this fucking grid, dude.
2: I've been getting a lot, a lot of i p- I've been getting a lot of polite nods in my household. That's that nice. ain't bad. I was,
3: I was just there yesterday. We celebrated <laughs> July fourth at Marcus's house. I brought over so much cheese. Yeah, uh, but you still have it there.
2: Oh, we definitely still have it. In yeah, the, fact, the uh, while, while we're in uh, Portland, our ladies are going to get together and just have a cheese day. They're going to eat that cheese. Yeah, very huh? yeah. oh, yeah. good.
0: Like a couple right. of a couple of hot mice. Couple
2: of, <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely. All right, I love cheese. Um, anyway, so that's that's Men in Black mm-hmm. Part Two. Mm-hmm. All right, now what do we have to do? We have to thank everyone for Patreon. Of thank course. you all so much. Uh, Henry and I had a great interview this week. We interviewed the uh, this guy. He he hosts a podcast called The Gateway, and they're checking out this guy, uh, this gal, uh, Teal Swan. She's a possible cult leader. We don't. It's it's up for debate. Sounds um, cool. I'm she sounds a like a cult towards- leader. I'm going to
0: put it on my yeah. upon re. Re establishing it, she just Ye- sounds like a cult leader. He's yes. being generous, which I think is nice that he is. Yes,
3: generous. so check out that interview. If you haven't subscribed to our Patreon, please do, and you can listen to all of those interview series.
2: Oh, yeah, they've got that. There's dozens of interviews these two dudes have done over on our Patreon. If you uh, give five dollars or more, then you get access to all of them. You also get access to my series in which I am working on reading the Bible beginning to end. There it is, about 30 minutes at a time. And uh, I think I'm pretty far into Genesis now. Total, I'm past the baguettes Oh, 30 minutes at a time You're going to be done with that by 2088 we're just Yes, doing the, yes <laughs> we're, like, we're, just long... doing the, we're just doing the Old Testament We don't need to do the New Testament Ah, that's
3: right yeah. And well, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to all the shows here On Top Hat this week, I interviewed Wild Man Mark Marrow which Because he's a motivational speaker now So Wildman. if you're feeling down, I think it's a very uplifting episode
0: That's really cool And uh, yeah. I would like to thank everybody uh, Follow us on uh, all of the fucking horseshit, That I'm so fucking sick of <laughs> on Twitter at well, Henry loves you at
3: Marcus Parks and Ben Kissel, who's on some reason back I don't know why. You're I, well, no, I'm not. See, everyone was like, "Oh, I hope people are nice to you." This stuff. No one was really mean to me on Twitter. It's just I I am a sensitive little being and yeah, I absorb we, everything. Uh, we all are. What you we would all are. And he we're he all li- punishing <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. And I just I, I just couldn't deal with everyone's thoughts. So what I did was I got back on it. Okay. But I didn't use the app. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at it, I'll post, and then I just try. Because I find myself just getting like um, mad manic with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fucking like, thumb,
2: it's thumb, thumb, thumb. My thumb has never worked so hard in its whole little thumb life. Oh, yeah. I Twitter, Facebook, both things are creatures of the black lock, oh, I guarantee. My it. God. God. I, I, the, I hate you know, exactly. type it, of it, thing. But unfortunately,
0: about. we're a mom and pop organization. So, we're all mothers and fathers here, and so we got to get the word out. And so, unfortunately, this is what we're doing until finally that solar flare comes that wipes (laughs) it all fucking out. Um, And then also follow us on Instagram at Dr. Fantasy, at Marcus Parks, and Ben Kissel, the number one, and LP on the left, or all things last podcast on the
3: left. And unless it is certified LP, last podcast on the left, or one of our names, we are not in charge or in control of any social media presence out there. No. So don't don't confuse us with anything, man. We're, we are just the same three dudes as always, and folks, yes. folks are doing what folks do, and yeah. you, what can you do? You can't we're, contain nothing.
2: We're in charge of our personal Twitters, the LP on the left on Twitter and Instagram, and, and our that Instagrams. is... And yes. that that's it. it. We
3: have no control, nor do we look at it, nor should you look at it. So yes. it has nothing to do with us. Yes. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We love you. And I cannot wait. We'll see you
2: in Portland this weekend. Yeah. Friday you might be night. Li- you might be listening to this on the way to the show right now. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. We- oh, maybe we could pretend like, you remember that scene in Wayne's World uh, 2 where they're all driving to the concert mm-hmm. and they're listening to like Mr. Scream? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, everybody out there that's going on the way to the Aerosmith concert. And then he goes, <laughs> <laughs> See you guys in Portland tonight! Oh,
3: Revolution man! And I hope they have one of those really cool licorice dispensers like they have in Wayne's car. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Always wanted that.
1: That's fucking right. great,
0: man. Yeah, I would definitely do that. That sounds great. Alright, fuckers. Hail Satan. Uh, hail
3: yourselves, everyone. Hail Keen.
0: Hail me. Fight the Black Lodge every day. Fight the powers <laughs> of, that want to keep you ignorant. Read yeah. a book. Go yeah. make love to your significant other. Go to a pool.
3: Magoose
0: everyone. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match
1: in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
0: Stream the live TV you love for 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Sling is football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Get breaking news from MSNBC, CNN, and Fox. Sling is reality TV, kid shows, and more. Sign up in minutes and start streaming live TV at home or on the go. Flexible channel lineups and no long-term contracts. Check out Sling.com
1: for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you'll love.